From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Hello, yes, Mr. Rob Rib. Thank you very much. It's me, it's Mike. This is Mike Davidson Lives. Thank you for downloading this latest installment. Meant to get this recorded Wednesday night, doing it Thursday night just because of some technical things. We had some snow uh, fall late Tuesday, most most of Wednesday. Didn't miss any work because of it, but uh, just it throws everything off. And uh, well, not to bore you with the details, I'm doing it tonight. It's still kind of blowing around outside. We, we had the thick, heavy stuff fall here in Northeast Indiana uh, Wednesday. Doesn't do a whole lot, but then we've gotten a bunch of lake effect and a lot of wind and a lot of cold, and now it's looking like Arctic, uh, an Arctic Sahara out there. Yeah, it's already coating the driveway. I'm looking at uh, some house cameras right now. Yeah, so that's what's going on outside my window here. Um, and uh, my my wife and my daughter both got their haircuts today, and they and they've gotten them together before, but. Uh, Lana, she's five years old, and Sam, she uh, she cuts the family's hair, and she does great work. Um, I don't know how to describe it. I mean, it's beautiful. It's almost like she made the hair look longer, and it just reminds me that Lana is growing up. I mean, she's in pre-kindergarten right now, and uh, she's just getting older before my eyes. She can already count to 100. Before I know it, I'm going to be, like, uh, pinching every penny I can to send her to school, uh, some college somewhere, I don't know, but it's, it's sneaking by, and of course, Logan's talking more and more every day, Hazel's gonna be starting school here in the not-too-distant future, crazy stuff, alright, so I did finish up, uh, All About Me, the Mel Brooks autobiography, and, uh, just like every other celebrity in 2020, 2021, nothing to do, so you sit around the house, you write a book, and then you go sell it, and it, for the most part, is good, most part, um, two quibbles here, and then something that I thought was really good in the book, uh, the two quibbles I have, uh, he described uh, the movie he made in the early 90s called Life Stinks. This is, I think he made this between uh, Spaceballs and Robin Hood Men in Tights. And basically the, the premise is a couple of billionaires make a bet. Uh, if Mel Brooks's billionaire character can live on the streets for 30 days as a homeless person, he wins the bet and he wins a property. Uh, and he ends up being uh, poor for real and falls in love with a poor homeless woman. And I, the, it, the way he described this movie, it, it, and this is probably the one Mel Brooks movie I don't want to watch. There's some that I have not watched, and there's others that I will watch countless times uh, from here on to eternity, like The Producers, Blazing Saddles, and Young Frankenstein. Um, but I, th I think it's just because... A lot of Hollywood celebrities think that every homeless person is wise and learned and doesn't care for material possessions. Like, they almost make them all seem like Buddhist monks in their way of thinking. And I, I don't want to take this as an opportunity to, like, you know, rag on somebody who is indeed homeless. But a lot of times, people on the streets uh, are dealing with some mental health issues and substance abuse issues. And uh, if, if even here in Fort Wayne, much smaller than Indianapolis, which is much smaller than Chicago and New York and L.A., uh, all five of those cities I just listed uh, all have homeless problems. And uh, again, Fort Wayne especially. And I've heard stories from people that uh, work in and around downtown 
that it can get a little scary sometimes. It's not quite like this Mel Brooks movie, and it's. Just, I, and I think Mel Brooks uh, was trying to address a problem, which is homelessness. But uh, it's it's not quite um, it's not quite the Zen lifestyle. Okay, and then uh, he was talking about uh, you know later in life he's getting awards, and he had a chance to be honored at the every year they do the Kennedy Awards uh, in D.C. honoring the arts, and I think. Uh, sometime during George W. Bush's tenure, uh, he was up for it, and he turned it down because, well, Mel Brooks did serve honorably in World War II. Not knocking him for that whatsoever. In fact, uh, he was part of uh, mind detection, which is pretty scary. So that he had a very vital role in World War II, but he turned it down because he was not a big fan of George W. Bush sending soldiers to Iraq. You know, it's a, you know, he was uh, against that. Okay, fine. Um, but he did get the award eventually from Obama and another award from Obama. And, you know, we were still in Iraq during Obama's term. And plus he talked about this, uh, AFI lifetime achievement award that he got. And then, uh, you know, it's usually customary that the following year, the previous year's recipient bestows that honor to that year's recipient or if somebody else has chosen and he decided not to do it, but then he gets a call from the recipient and, um, the recipient that uh, succeeded him, succeeded him uh, the following year was Jane Fonda, and of course he accepted. Um, and again, not knocking Mel Brooks's military experience, but uh, has he talked to any other military veterans about uh, their thoughts about Jane Fonda, especially those who may have served in Vietnam? She ain't exactly popular to this day. You go to any uh, uh, message board or any message board, any comment section on social media for any news story pertaining to Jane Fonda, and you will get uh, you'll get quite the history on this lady. So, yeah, I politics ruins everything for me when it comes to celebrities. It this doesn't make me love Mel Brooks any less, but it's just kind of like, man, really. Uh, but I, I did say that there was a good part in this book, um, and it happened to be when he was putting together the producers. And uh, the, this husband and wife team, uh, he went and visited out in New York, uh, and the husband was originally going to direct, but unfortunately uh, he developed leukemia and passed away while they were still developing the concept. And so they were without a director, and his wife was a choreographer, and, of course, she's despondent, heartbroken, obviously. And Mel Brooks wanted her to take over, and she said, no, I can't, I can't, I can't. And Mel Brooks kept, you know, asking, and he finally said, okay, here's what you do. In the morning, when you wake up, you can cry. Cry your heart out. Then come in, work with us, let's get this done. You go home and cry at night. And I think the next day she called him back up and said, "Okay, I'm done crying for the morning. I'll help you." And, so, and her name, her nickname's Stro. And I, I thought this was pretty good. And then a few years later, she returns the favor because unfortunately, Mel Brooks did lose his wife Anne Bancroft to cancer, and he was despondent and distraught. And she kind of used the same psychology he used on her. To get him to, uh, you know, get young Frankenstein into musical form, and I, there's a lesson, you know, like uh, this is kind of a universal thing. It's like, okay, uh, you can feel like shit and uh, you know, be miserable all the time, or you can uh, reserve some time for that, 
and be productive because working and being productive and helping others is the best way to work through difficult experiences. And I thought I thought that was a very good part of the book. But most, I'd say about 85, 90% of this book I enjoyed. Maybe not the Life Stinks one and not maybe the award part, but definitely, uh, you know, when, uh, reading about making the uh, producers into a musical. Okay. So David Crosby died last week, and I was texting with uh, Mr. Utah, Johnny Utah. Uh, he's a friend of mine, college buddy, fraternity brother, and uh, I, I don't know what brought this up, but he brought up the fact that uh, David Crosby looks like a comedian by the name of Bruce Baum, who's made uh, a couple appearances here and there in sitcoms. And I think I think uh, Utah made this observation because his daughter was watching an old school episode of Full House, and Bruce Baum just happened to be on there, and he thought for a minute that was David Crosby. So we started talking. You know, because, yeah, David Crosby's his own guy, but he also would team up with uh, Graham Nash and uh, uh, and uh, Stephen Stills, and they would do Crosby, Stills, Nash, and sometimes Young. And I, I got to thinking, well, maybe there's been some times where the other guys in the band were so high, and maybe uh, Bruce Baum wandered into a studio and pretended to be David Crosby on an album. <laughs> it's a nice little way to get a paycheck, right? But yeah, you, you wander into a room where uh, rock stars have been partying before recording. You know, that that's a great way to pick up some um, uh, extra dough. But, but you know, Google, Google a picture of this stuff. It's crazy. It's crazy that how much these two guys look alike. Uh, quick Shannon Sharp update. He did apologize for being a douchebag courtside uh, uh, with the Grizzlies and the Lakers. Not too long ago, uh, he started jawing with them during a game, and it almost erupted into uh, fisticuffs. He was escorted away, then came back in, and he apologized for acting like such a douche. And you know what? I'm, I'm not a cancel culture guy, so I'm not one of these people. It's like, well, he shouldn't have a show on uh, Fox Sports One. It, first of all, uh, for me to be upset about him hosting that show, I would have to watch said show. Um, but I, I found it very interesting, some of the comments, because I, I, I made a, a kind of a wise-ass joke about how, like, he should wear a dunce cap courtside uh, that says, I'm a douche for at least one game to atone for what he did. And uh, somebody said I was a soft racist, or I, that what I said was soft racism, and it's like, no, 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 no. If you think that a grown African-American male that it's okay for him and commonplace for him to act like an asshole courtside and that's accepted behavior. I, I think you're the one that's demonstrating soft racism there. Uh, I was commenting not on his skin color. I was commenting on the fact that he's Shannon Sharp and he feels entitled. And by the way, you or me doing the same shit that, we, uh, that he did courtside. Black or white, male or female, gay or straight, Republican or Democrat, doesn't freaking matter. We'd be thrown out because we don't have celebrity privilege. Mr. Sharp does. He's got a Super Bowl ring. You know, he's got some. Uh, he's got some hardware. He's a Hall of Famer, a well-deserved Hall of Famer for uh, professional football. But he's he's kind of an asshat. And if you're going to call him out, you, you have the right to call him out for being an asshat. By the way, uh, Jim Mersey's an asshat, um, and I will say this right now: R.I.P. Uh, to the competitive era of the Indianapolis Colts. It started up with Bill Pullian, and I think it ended uh, with Frank Reich being fired. 
midseason this past year. Um, and chances are he was on his way out anyway, but he was a riverboat gambler. Uh, I think he worked as best as he could with that uh, that terrible uh, roster, the quarterback changes. Uh, I can't say he did everything right, but uh, he has landed on his feet. He's now the head coach for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, best of luck to him. Hopefully there there might be some stability in that roster, uh, more so than Indianapolis. But uh, word has it around the campfire that you know the Colts have interviewed like seven, eight, maybe nine people for the head coaching position. And Jim Ursay is still wanting to keep Jeff Saturday. In fact, another rumor is of these interviews, there was only one interview that Jim Ursay sat in on the first round. It was Jeff Saturday's. He wasn't there. And it reminded me uh, when I tried to interview for one of my first radio gigs, uh, WLBC down in Muncie, and uh, the one guy that interviewed me, who shall re- remain nameless, uh, he brought me into the office and goes, normally there's two other guys with me that uh, you know conduct this interview, so it's just going to be us today. And I knew immediately it was a brush-off interview just to get me the hell out. And if you're uh, any of these offensive coordinators or defensive coordinators for teams, with experience, and, and maybe at one point a former head coach to boot, and you're looking for a second chance, and the owner's not there. It's a bad sign. And if you cannot be kidding me with this. I don't want to hear from any Colts fan that's telling me uh, Jeff Saturday needs another year to prove himself. He was brought in to shake up things, and things got worse with the same roster. I guarantee goddamn T that uh, Frank Reich would not have ended the season with a seven-game losing streak. He probably wouldn't have had historic losses like he did to Dallas, uh, which the Colts gave up 35 points to in the fourth quarter alone. There would not have been that comeback win in overtime that Vikings had over the Colts after a 30-something point halftime lead. The point differential probably wouldn't have doubled per game like it did under Saturday. Things got worse under Jeff Saturday, but people are blinded by the fact that uh, he let Peyton Manning touch his butt for all those years and that he's uh, part of a Super Bowl-winning team. If he stays on as coach, that taints my view of him as a player. The longer he stays involved in this organization, the more I'm going to dislike Jeff Saturday. Because he even said, if I, if I am not any good at this, I'll walk away. And here he is. He's pitching his idea to... to Ursay and Ursay's like, well, yeah, you're my guy. And, uh, you know, the <laughs> Ballard's like, no, dude, we got all these coaches. Oh, no, we got we got to hire uh, our Saturday. So they've conduct, uh, they're now conducting the second round of interviews. And yes, Jeff Saturday's had his second interview. This is terrible. I probably going to sit out Latin next season watching the Indianapolis Colts. All right, uh, let's uh, kind of move our way. Real quick, when it comes to politics, uh, because um, the National Association, or what is it, the National Archive and Records Association, Administration, it's uh, NARA. Uh, Yes, the National Archive and Records uh, Administration. They're uh, now advising all former presidents and vice presidents to check their homes for classified documents because we, as we spent like the last three or four months bitching about uh, Trump having them in his house, and then, oh, Biden's got them in house of his and an office and then earlier uh, was it this week mike pence now has documents in his home and uh, and uh, 
I guess uh, W, Obama, and Clinton have said, no, nah, no, nah, we, we're good, we're, we're following, we're complying. Uh, you know, you're thinking, okay, <laughs> you say so, guys. It's going to get to this point where we just exhume Nixon's corpse just to make sure that everybody has given back their classified documents. Here's an idea. Uh, maybe, maybe have a handler. If, if, if a president or a vice president has to work from a house for whatever reason, make the files temporary as possible. Have a handler come in with them, uh, the president or vice president, to sign off on them. And then uh, after they're done, the handler takes them back to wherever the hell they need to go. Because we've got too many classified documents floating around out there. And it's a wonder that uh, China or Russia or Iran or anybody has not done anything to us yet. Then again, maybe they're terrible uh, bookkeepers when it comes to their own documents. But just like how many freaking politicians have to have everything everywhere, right? Good Lord. All right, uh, Jeremy Renner update. This is the police report uh, from Reno earlier this year. Uh, as you know, Jeremy Renner was in that, uh, uh, was it a bobcat? It was some sort of snowplow thing. Uh, ran over part of his body, and he's lucky to be alive. Uh, he had a significant loss of blood. Uh, people were saying he was going to lose a leg, he was going to die. He's back at home rehabbing, and I think last podcast I was talking about how he like 30... 30 bones broken. Well, the uh, the report says that this was on his property, and what he's doing, he's trying to pull his, uh, his nephew's truck out with this thing. And then uh, one thing led to another, and uh, the brake line on the, uh, the Bobcat-like vehicle snapped. He had no way of really stopping it. Well, he did have a way. He didn't realize it, though. And he, was, he jumped out of the vehicle to divert the vehicle from uh, hitting his nephew, and he took the brunt of everything. His nephew's okay. Renner's on the men, but they said that he could have thrown on the parking brake to stop the thing. And, uh, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, I guess. But look, I mean, if you're um, if you're in the heat of battle, as it were, and you got a big honking machine, and you've been working to pull somebody out of the snow, and you're not thinking clearly, and then all this is happening, your basic reaction is just fight. And sometimes, you know, thinking and fighting don't really go hand in hand. So I can't really rag on Renner for this because he was trying to do the right thing. Um, but, you know, you don't really hear about that with um, uh, with uh, with a lot of Hollywood types. You really don't. Um, you know, and he, here he is. He's out doing his thing, and uh, he, he saves his nephew. Hats off. I hope he does recover. hope he does make more movies. Um God, I couldn't imagine. I mean, like, uh, I had the sn uh, snowblower out today, and um, that thing scrapes the sidewalk. And I, I just, I get real nervous anytime the kids come out while and, and play while I'm with this thing. I'm always telling them to get away, get away. And now I'm thinking about this thing running over my foot like an idiot. <sighs> so he's on the mend. Uh, the Razzies, okay, they, they announced the Oscars, the Oscar nominations this year. I'll have to look through that list again. And there's there's like a couple I might say. I still haven't seen Top Gun Maverick. Uh, everything, everywhere at once looks pretty intriguing. Not much else really tickles my fancy. But uh, the Razzies were announced. And ladies and gentlemen, it's Morbin time. Uh, Morbius. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Jared Leto picked up some nominations. Uh, that's I watched that with the wife on Netflix a couple months ago. What a terrible movie. Uh, Blonde, um, the Marilyn Monroe 
biopic. Uh, it had some nominations. In fact, it's actually got some Oscar nominations too, which I find very weird. It's it's got a either you love this movie apparently or you hate it. Wild stuff. Uh, but there's this fourteen or not four, twelve, thirteen year old actress by the name of uh, Ryan Kira Armstrong. She was in uh, this horror movie Firestarter, which um, I think is based off a of Stephen King book. I think that was like a miniseries back in um, uh, on ABC back in the day, and it's gotten to this point with uh, the um, success of the It movies that came out recently, where they're like, okay, we're going to rework all of the uh, Stephen King books into movies, and I think they're running out of ideas. So Firestarter was the last one, and it didn't do too well, and people panned it. This actress, uh, she got nominated for a Razzie. And because there was some backlash about nominating a kid for being a terrible actress, uh, the the Razzies did rescind it. And normally, look, I, I don't like ragging on kids. I don't like making fun out of kids. That's just not cool. Um, and that's not me being politically correct. That's just me being a former kid and not like being made fun out of. Um, and, you know, this is uh, the second time in two years that they've had to rescind something. In fact, they rescinded a whole category last year because they were making fun of Bruce Willis starring in all these shitty movies, like, you mean like six or seven come, uh, it, during and coming out of the pandemic. And it was revealed that, you know, he's got this uh, this disorder that's affecting his speech and his memory. And they're like, oh, we feel like jerks. So they, they rescinded the category. So, you know, both this actress, her nomination be rescinded, I get, and Bruce Willis, I get being rescinded. But uh, looking at online comments gritting my teeth, rolling my eyes. Uh, they used this recent rescinding of the uh, nomination. Uh, some of these commentators are like, well, we should get rid of the Razzies to begin with because it's a bad joke, and it just gives people a, a, a chance to troll movies, and it's not right, and it's like, look, if you don't want people to troll movies, Hollywood needs to stop greenlighting as much shit. That's, that's as simple as I can make it for you. And... We've got to this point in culture where you can't criticize anything within reason because now it's trolling. Um, like uh, like this new Velma thing on uh, HBO Max. A lot of uh, old school Scooby-Doo fans don't like it. I know uh, people on the right don't like it. I know people on the left don't like it. Like a whole lot of people don't like this show because it just flat out sucks. And it's got a small contingent of fans, and it's, like, I think, recently become the worst-rated show ever in the history of IMDb. And um, some people are saying that's review bombing. It's just the trolls at work. Maybe maybe it's just because this show is a piece of crap and it insulted people that watched it. It, it. Like, who is it made for? Like, a Siskel and Ebert thing couldn't work today because to give honest criticism about a movie or a TV show just isn't done very well. I mean, it's not praised. And the Razzies being like online trolling is stupid because the Razzies have been around before the internet was a popular thing. And uh, you have to joke about bad movies because if you just accept everything that Hollywood puts out, Hollywood's going to keep putting out bad stuff. And I'm not saying this because I think, uh, you know, the, the Razzies are some uh, holy roller group or woke group. I'm just saying this because they like movies and they don't want to watch bad movies. Or maybe they do and they have a lot of fun at these people's expense. And, and it's kind of funny to see Tom Hanks nominated for this, too. I guess his uh, 
uh, Colonel Tom Parker didn't really work out in Elvis. Uh, I've heard good things about the movie, but I guess the Razzie folk don't really care for his performance in the movie. But then again, he's got a couple of Oscars. I think he'll be all right. Uh, his, uh, his Toy Story buddy, Tim Allen. There's some weird stuff going on. Um, and uh, it's weird. I guess uh, recently, Pamela Anderson formerly uh, came out against Tim Allen saying that on the set of Home Improvement when she was playing uh, uh, the Tool Time Girl, uh, he flashed her. Like, uh, they were in a hallway, he was in a room, and he goes, Hey, you know, everyone's seen you naked in Playboy. Now I'm returning the favor, and she says, he flashed her, and she laughed nervously and walked off. Tim Allen saying that is not true. And it's, it's again, one of those he said, she said things. Um, I, I would say keep an eye on this. I don't think it's... I have a hard time believing that this is going to be another Bill Cosby, because Tim Allen's kind of controversial, especially with the uh, people that lean left. And, uh, you know, if if there was any instance of constant, consistent sexual harassment, I think we would have heard about those incidents long ago. Like, they would have come out after him, one after another. I'm not really seeing that. But keep an eye on this. I could be wrong. But the thing that gets me is that she did get naked in Playboy. Not saying she deserves to be flashed, but... She that that would have meant that she would have been at the uh, <coughs> Playboy Mansion. Excuse me, it's a little dry up here with Hugh Hefner, and of course you hear all the stories about Hef's mansion and how uh, naughty things can get in that place. And then of course there's the sex tape with uh, Tommy currently Lee, and of course the fact that that d bag hit her and uh, all sorts of stuff. Um, Tim Allen flashing her would have been just like a drop in the bucket. Uh, if he did do this, because I mean, she's she's somebody that's kind of been in some seedier parts of Hollywood, and I'm not including barbed wire here. Um, I don't know if there's much of a story there to begin with, but again, keep an eye out. I could be wrong on this. All right, so <clears throat> uh, I guess t shock up one for Tucker Carlson or something. I have no idea. Uh, people are losing their mind about the Eminem spokes candies. Being retired or diverted recently, uh, and this is a really weird story because I just saw a new Eminem's a, a new Eminem's commercial with uh, uh, the Eminem spokes candies and uh, some guy with tats on his face, and uh, he's a pruner, and his girlfriend's dad is a pruner, and so they were going to go, you know, shear roses or some crap. It wasn't a bad commercial, but uh, they, this announcement that they're being replaced on TV and movies by Maya Rudolph, uh, the same woman who cried when Dave Letterman got her name wrong, is kind of abrupt and weird. And they're blaming it on uh, the woke PC or, or th them being too woke and, you know, Tucker Carlson not being turned on by candy or something. I don't know. It just the timing seems really weird about this, that they would kind of get away from that. I also remember, like, was it last month they announced that they were going to have the all-women bag. And uh, to celebrate women, they were only going to have three colors. The uh, the green, the purple, and the dark brown. <coughs> Excuse me again. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, that that's weird. I never thought of Candy having genitalia. I guess it's just not going right. Um, I don't know. Tucker Carlson is one thing. But for them to, like, because this has been going on for, like, a year or so, off and on for a year. I don't know if it's really him or not. 
But it's just, it's odd that they decide to switch horses midstream, especially with this new commercial out. And I'm wondering if it's more of them and less of him. Like, like they're doing something wrong with the marketing. I have no problem with the spokes candies. I, uh, my problem is basically, uh, hey, look at us. We're, we're making our candies into ribbons and we care. Here's, here's three colors in a bag. You don't buy M&Ms for three colors. You buy them for all the colors. And see, I didn't make any comment about sexy candy shoes there. Just showing you. I, I can be mature and shit. All right. Uh, one last thing. Uh, uh, last of Us is a video game. That's a show on HBO. And apparently the fungus that turns people into zombies on the show. And I guess... Um, well, I, I think they had to change it up for the video game because it's a little more alien in the video game. But apparently this fungus exists in real life here in this very planet. It affects ants, makes them zombies, and it makes the ants want to infect other ants so the fungus can grow. And that we humans have consumed this unwittingly, but it only affects insects, not us. So we're safe. So long as the CDC doesn't get its hands on this fungus, right? You never know anymore. You just don't. Alright, I gotta go hydrate my vocal uh, my vocal box, my vocal cords. I'm having a hard time talking right now. Until next time, stay fresh. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at Facebook.com backslash M Davidson Live. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live. 